Well, folks, Jerry Adams and Shaw, August Tassola Gomsa go well shipsha, go moi. Tamishiko Han moi. Last week, the family of Lachlan McGinn settled the case against the British Ministry of Defence and the PSNI over his murder by the UDA in August 1989. And while it had been widely accepted for the previous 20 years that collusion between the British Army, the IUC and Unionist paramilitaries was an integral part of Britain's dirty war in Ireland, it was the murder of Lachlan McGinn in August of that year and the murder of Pat Finucan in February of the same year which focused significant attention on this practice and confirmed that collusion was a matter of administrative practice. And when I say it was widely accepted for the previous 20 years, that was it was widely accepted by those who had eyes to see and ears to hear. But of course, the British state denied the reality of their involvement in these killings. Then after Lachlan Lachlan McGinn was killed, the UDA produced photo montages from British Army and IUC files and a video purporting to identify suspected Republican activists, including Mr McGinn. So the British state was forced by the controversy which this created to establish an inquiry under John Stevens. And this was to be the first of three investigations by Stevens. And one result of this investigation was the arrest of Brian Nelson, a British agent at the heart of the UDA, who was responsible for targeting victims with information provided by his handlers and the force research unit of the British Army. The extent of British Army and IUC collusion with Unionist death squads was exposed by Stevens, who in May 2011 told the London Westminster Parliamentary Committee that of the 210 people we arrested, only three weren't agents. I repeat that. Of the 210 people, only three weren't agents. And following their settlement with the British Ministry of Defence and the PSNA, the McGinn family expressed their determination to continue their demand for the truth. And that means that they're seeking a fresh inquest. And they're not alone in this. Two weeks ago, hundreds of families of victims took part in a time for truth march and rally to Belfast City Hall against the Bill of Shame. I was there myself. John Finucan, MP, whose father Pat was shot dead in front of him, called on the British government to bend this flawed legislation without delay. And Natasha Butler whose grandfather, Patrick, was killed in the Spring Hill West Rock Massacre, described the bill as a Tory government commitment to an amnesty for British Armed Forces who have murdered and maimed Irish citizens like the Spring Hill West Rock victims. She went on to say that this bill will remove their basic human right to access an illegal route to vindicate their loved ones. And Natasha also spoke of the deep hurt and trauma for families who have decked campaign for decades for truth and she spoke in particular in a passionate commentary about the exhausting experience all of this had 
on her mother. And a powerful message Natasha said to its new prime minister and to the British government itself, from the people you choose not to listen to, we are not invisible and you are not invincible. You must bend the legacy bill of shame. So that must be the objective of all those who support the families. Any approach to legacy matters should be human rights compliant, must protect the rights of victims and must uphold the rule of law. The legal rights of families must be protected and the mechanisms agreed at Stormont House in 2014 should be implemented in full. Now, another event that happened, which I was also in attendance at, was during the Fela and Fubble last month in West Belfast. And this is one of many excellent events. It was called Our Ireland Also. And it was about the official narrative from the Dublin establishment about the North. And the event that was chaired by Clena Neve Branner of Aris E. Canila. And it involved on a panel historians Liz Gillis, Lorcan Collins, Tom Hartley, and Cormac Moore. And these are all accomplished authors. And they, they explored the partitionist mindset of the southern state and its origins. And it was a fascinating and well attended discussion. The panel were very informed, very entertaining, and the speakers were very obviously pleased to have an engaged and interested group of people. And that included Fubble, Phelan Fubble director, Kevin Gamble, who committed the failure to play in a role within the arts community to counter this awful narrative from Dublin. What were the points that were made? Well, the, the recent RTE coverage of the handover of Dublin Castle to Michael Collins and the provisional government in 1922 by the British and the repeated assertion by RTE commentators that this was the day the British army left Ireland. And that's clearly and self-evidently inaccurate. It's also, as, you, as, as I saw from the audience, very offensive to many, quite rightly, to many uh, people. And there was concern also expressed about, and anger about how the Republic of Ireland is often described as Ireland, and the North is often presented as a distinct entity, a separate entity, which is not part of the Irish nation. So the preferred narrative in terms of how, how the island is described is Ireland and Northern Ireland. This is used by elements of the Dublin political establishment and other vested interests. And some audience members at the FILA event felt that citizens in the six counties are presented by those of this mindset as less Irish than citizens in the 26 counties. And RTE, the national broadcaster, Maria, came in for particular attention, including the exclusion of citizens in the north from RTE competitions, from Gaelic Games coverage and from some programmes. And so too with weather forecasts or traffic updates. The North usually does not feature. Annoyance was expressed in particular about the infamous use of a map of the southern state which was presented as Ireland 
and presented in a dismembered way as the map of Ireland in some RTE shows, including the Late Late Show. So what to do about this? I think Kevin Gamble has it right. The art community can help to bring attention to this false narrative. And the decade of centenaries and all the events related with it will provide or could provide platforms for this. And RTE does need challenged over its coverage and lack of coverage and in particular the tone of its national broadcasting. But I think all of us can also take our own wee initiatives. It was suggested at the FIELA event that we should write to the RTE Director General D. Forbes or to the Dublin newspaper editors. But you yourselves will know, listeners to this podcast will know what you can do. And it shouldn't be left to Northerners who will be presented as, you know, Nordies whinging about these matters. It may affect Northerners more directly, but this is a national malaise. So it's a national issue. So wherever you are, throughout Ireland or the diaspora, raise these issues wherever you can and wherever you can. Another scandal that has uh, opened up is around and board Planala. And that was subject to uh, a debate in the Oireachtas in the Dáil uh, last week. And Sinn Féin TD Ingus Osnodig, he spoke on the crisis and the controversy and the scandal surrounding on board Planala, which is the body responsible for determining planning applications in the South. And Angus drew attention to concerns about the threat posed by the current developer plans for Moore Street. Now, Moore Street is the historic last meeting place of the 1916 leaders who were in the GPO. The garrison from the GPO made their way to Moore Street and they were taken from their court-martialed and executed by the British. And this is a really important uh, battlefield site. And the campaign to save it has taken many twists and turns over recent years. And Chakta Osnodig revealed in the Oireachtas that government and council officials lined up with the current owner of the site to offer a package of loss of earnings to the area's street traders. The Moore Street traders are famous in Ireland and in Dublin in particular. And the 1.7 million that was offered was tied to three conditions, making it a bribe. So the conditions would have obliged the traders to endorse the developer's plan, to endorse a report to the minister that supported the developer's plan, and to give a commitment not to submit any planning objections. Angus O'Snaughty said, this is a bribe, there are no two ways about it, because it is conditional. Now, several months ago on board Planala, refused to allow oral hearings into the developer's plans, which will see the historic 1916 battlefield site demolished. And that's despite the rules which allow for oral hearings in cases of applications involving national and significant issues or when such hearings are requested. And the National Monument and the Moore Street development clearly fit this criteria. And the Moore Street Preservation Trust 
were among many who have asked for oral hearings to take place, and they were denied this. Now, the Moore Street Preservation Trust has also produced a plan for the preservation and development of the Moore Street area as a historic quarter. Now, this is something which the government should have done long ago, given that it's over 100 years since the rising and the execution of the leaders and the battle of Moore Street. It's a disgrace, a national shame that successive governments have refused to do that. So this campaign to save and develop Moore Street is reaching a critical point. And it needs your help and it needs your support. So for any information you require, go to www.facebook.com Moore Street Trust. Play your role. Stand up. It isn't just about the past, but we have to learn from the past. But stand up for the revolutionary phases of our history and for the men and women of 1916, but also for the future. Go to Mila Magov and we'll go out this week in honour of the 1916 volunteers and of the campaigners for Moore Street to be developed with the great late Luke Kelly and the Foggy Jew. Shinea Harja, Slanlev Gunyuri and Ta Levsha Gunyur.
where the Fenians sleep Neath the shroud of the foggy But the bravest fell and the requiem bell rang mournfully and clear. For those who died that Easter tide in the springing of the year, and the world did gaze in deep amaze at those fearless. Thank you.